uh, we're talking uh, last session here, just trying to bring a few things together. Uh, what of the unprepared, unvetted candidate? Uh, where does training fit in? Why? What, what actually makes up um, appropriate? I say that word appropriate uh, missionary training. Uh, because there's all kinds of trainings out there. I just read about another one uh, two nights ago. I almost printed it out. I just didn't have time. Uh, man, everything in that training uh, was wonderful, but the key topics were not there. There was not a bad thing on the list, but the omissions were glaring. And uh, so we're just going to get into that, and this is not going to be, a, a, unfortunately, a lot of a Bible verses that we can, uh, man, take on and just kind of chew on and, and that really compel us to a, a loftiness and a um, a level of thinking that, that I like living at. This is kind of working through the nuts and bolts of this. Uh, man, untrained, unvetted missionaries. Is it happening? You better believe it. You better believe it. Uh, folks, let me tell you. Uh, it's really hard for a local church who doesn't send out very many missionaries when that person, that couple comes forward and says, we want to go. If there's no sin, if there's no obvious reasons not to, it's really hard for that church, especially if they grew up in the church. I was that missions pastor. I was that guy who had field experience, and I had people coming uh, to me, and part of my job, and uh, man, my senior pastor's been here. I mean, he still might be here. He might have had to leave, uh, but uh, we had a good cop-bad cop relationship. He was, he was the senior pastor. He's the shoulder. He's the guy that after Brad talks to him, they go and cry to him. It was my job to be sure that the people that our church sent out had a capability of hitting the finish line and that we were not sending out people that were doomed to be brokenhearted and using our limited church finances to see that done. Uh, that's a dilemma that every church goes into. So untrained, unvetted missionaries going out, yeah, it happens. Happens because it's hard to say no, especially if they grew up in the church, have been there a long time, and because they've got families, they've got friends, and it gets known that they've stepped forward. And so, churches, uh, boy, to say no to that guy, you know what? The agency will do it. Wrong. No, the agencies aren't saying no either. There's no sin, there's no obvious reason not to. The agencies are then. Uh, in a sense, kicking the can down the road. And uh, if it's not going to take up too much uh, time overseas, we'll just get them to the field. It happens a lot. Untrained, unvetted missionaries getting to the field, uh, more common than we want to think about. Uh, what happens without it? What happens to those families? What happens to those individuals uh, on the home end, on the uh, field end? Uh, what does training look like? Just want to take some minutes at this time to get into that. Uh, would that this were the case? hey, no problem. They all come home, find jobs, become productive members of their churches. What's the big deal? That would be awesome. If that was all that was at stake uh, with people going overseas and didn't, didn't work out well, uh, you know what? Hey, <laughs> no big deal. Unfortunately, that is not the case. If we could get these slides on that back thing so I can see them. I know the time thing there. Um, the price tag for this happening is immense, folks. And uh, on the field, in the family, in the church, in the it's all over the place. So number one, to themselves. Well, okay, let, me, let me, before we get into the price tag to that couple or that individual comes home, it really depends. Some people do go overseas, hey, I'm gonna give this a shot. Kind of a casual, kind of a, you know, we'll see if it works out. Uh, I'm going to go to this uh, particular situation, and if I can be a blessing, you know, and uh, no time frame, no, no clear goals, just kind of want to do this before I died, uh, want to do this right after college, uh, have a taste of living overseas. You know what? 
honestly, uh, they can serve, you know, whatever length of time they choose, and when they come home, they come home, because they didn't really get prepared, they didn't really have a goal that was going to demand much of them, it was just going to see how it worked out and experience overseas life, uh, I, I would say, to be honest with you, the, the fallout from that isn't real dramatic, uh, people just pick up where they left off most of the time. The other side of that, though, is people that have actually responded to the Great Commission, They want to actually see the gospel penetrate. They want their lives to be strategically laid down and useful for the kingdom of God. Those guys, they go through a couple weeks of candidate school. Uh, They're going through a few seminars, taking a course here, get some phonetics and phonemics over there, uh, doing what is told by them, by people who have gone before, this is the route you do, hoping that that entails training, hoping that they're covering the necessary bases for those guys who actually want to push the gospel, take the message where it's not been before, for those guys, and some of them I have known deeply, the result has been tragic. Divorce, doubting of their salvation, doubting of their love for the Lord Jesus, a tremendous angst in the home, passed on to the kids, years of floundering. I'm not saying that's always the case, but I've seen enough of the others. Folks that set their hearts to be a part of strategically seeing the Great Commission accomplished, man, when that doesn't go well, and there's not an ironclad reason why not, it's just, it got hard. I wasn't ready. I didn't know. This blindsided me. Guys, the the results of the family, the individual can be brutal. To their sending churches. Uh, Rarely is a sending church in a position to say to the congregation, this is why Bob and Jane are home. Uh, There's a lot of uh, parsing of messaging because uh, we want Bob and Jane to be able to lift up their heads. We want them to be able to have a future. We want to love them. And, and how to handle what happened on the field, the reasons it puts the home church, and I'm not saying it's an insurmountable issue, but the home church is in a very awkward situation. Oftentimes it will take months, if not years, for the home church to even find out what actually happened on the field. Uh, when I was on the field, uh, man, I was very careful about letting the home churches actually know because I didn't know how the home church, as a field leader, I did not know how the home church would respond, okay? There's issues on that end, and so for them to get the actual message of what happened takes a lot of work, and I wanted to know, do they really want to know? Are they in a position to love and care for this person who's really gone through a damaging time? They need to be enfolded in, I, Uh, That takes a lot of trust on both ends. And so for the home church to actually find out and then to give to the congregation, or at least some folks, what really happened, issues in the home church, it creates a lot of need for good, high-level communication. Uh, To their new friends overseas, oh my word. When Beth and I were starting to work among the Iteti people, we had to hike right by a group of guys uh, called the Nemo people. And the Nemo had uh, missionaries five years before we moved in. Well, no big deal. Uh, but then the, the missionaries there, they, they left. And the next guys left. And the next guys left. We saw the Nemo people who had put their hopes, they didn't know about Jesus, but they put their hope in this couple that was going to help them out. We're going to be here long term. Eventually, the guy was even told, we're going to tell you about the creator. He'd gotten to that point of fluency before he went home on furlough, and somebody lured him to stay home. We saw those guys get increasingly harder and harder and harder and harder. Let me tell you, if God gives you the privilege of being among an unreached people group and you're especially in that first contingent to get there, you stay. Because if you leave, they get harder and harder and harder. It's not just, these are not interchangeable parts. It is critical for those who are going into these situations with the intent to stay, you better stay. 
You can't just uh, pick up and leave when you choose to. Uh, the impact is everywhere. Uh, to prayer and financial supporters when people leave the field. And again, leaving the field, um, most people are gonna leave the field. Do you leave the field in the right way at the right time? Uh, the only guys that didn't leave the field that I know of were two guys that I buried and one child that we had a part in burying. Everybody leaves the field. How do you leave? When do you leave? When the job is done? Uh, man, uh, do you leave under pressure uh, of discouragement? Talk to any radio student. They'll tell you three of the uh, three evaluators and making decisions. Ne- first one, never when you're discouraged. Never on your own and never quickly. That, ta- that decision, when do we leave? Man, that's a big one. In fact, the future of your life and your ministry could be predicated on do you leave well? Do your community, not the guys across the ocean who don't know the details of life and why you're leaving. What about your fellow missionaries right there? Do they say, yeah, it's time? Do, are they giving you that? Easy to get the concurring voices from 5,000 miles away. Man, I could create that story any way I wanted it when I was in New Guinea. And then there were times when we wanted to hit the eject button, and I knew the guys in my church, in my wife's church, that I kept, hey, what do you think? Oh, dude, yeah, they're really treating it bad. Yeah, time, oh yeah, you put in good 15 years, go for it, dude, awesome. Uh, I, I knew where to find those guys. Unfortunately, the guys that were surfing right around me, they were, no, 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 you are not done, Brad. That's what they would have been saying. Folks, uh, man, those decisions uh, impact us all over the place. Prayer and financial supporters, uh, when people leave early, leave before they should be leaving. And the prayer and financial supporters, oh, dude, what's wrong with that? Uh, now, let's, let's, come on, let's get ahead of this a little bit here. Let's be realistic. Uh, nobody has a crystal ball. No amount of training, we talked about this the other day, no amount of training can give an absolute 100% predictable ratio of success. That's just not in the cards. I take great heart when I look at the NFL on draft day. Man, they measure body mass, they measure DNA samples, blood, they want to know parents, they want to know first grade teachers, you know. Uh, they're looking at film from this kid, you know, from the time he was two years old and he could walk until, you know, junior high, and then he carried a football in high school and four years of college ball. They're doing it all, and you still get Ryan Leaf getting picked, okay? Uh, Tom Brady passes until the sixth round. They can't do it any better than that, and they've got all those measuring mechanisms. If uh, missionaries occasionally don't get to the finish line, okay. Come on, let's be realistic. Uh, that's just the way it goes. But there are certain components in this process that, uh, man, are not silly, uh, that we really need to take seriously. <coughs> and supporters have the right to know this person's actually done all that's realistic to do to prepare to get to the finish line. Uh, and this probably is the one that causes me the most concern. Missionaries that leave early pass those reasons slash excuses on to the next generation of missionaries in training. And in fact, they equip them to leave early too. Uh, I was at a, a missionary training context a couple weeks ago. Uh, one of my sons told me, uh, yeah, we had an interesting chapel. One of the guys who'd left the field, he took a whole chapel to explain to the student body why he left the field. Wow, I, I, unfortunately, I know too much of why he left the field. Uh, people who leave the field early should be not interacting with future missionaries. That's, you know, that's an overstatement, just by a tad, okay? But unfortunately, they become the member care guys. They become the pre-field coaches. They become the administrators. They become the people in the organization at home interacting with new candidates, 
helping them get to the field and also equipping them with, well, this is why so-and-so's home, this is why so-and-so's home. This is why you see one of the banners up here, why you're hearing it from a lot of different presenters. Finish, finish well, finish well. Anybody going into missionary training needs to be hearing that every single day. Jesus said that, Paul said that. Brought you glory on earth by finishing the task that you've given me to do. Finish the race, Paul would say. We need to be exemplified, lifting that up and saying, man, guys, that's our goal. And yes, we all know we're, we're all people of clay and we can fall and we've, most of us have fallen in this lifelong journey. And okay, what are you gonna do when you fall? You gonna pick yourself up? You gonna trust the Lord for forgiveness and mercy and get up and re-engage? Man, that's the story of so many of us. A perfect, nice little in, uh, upward incline? Nah, that's rarely the case. Falls are part of it. Uh, but folks, meant to be careful that we are not rubbing shoulders with folks who didn't get to the finish line, and they've always got a great reason why not. We hear that a lot at Radius. It's interesting. Our students uh, get their ears tuned up for that, too. The next generation of missionaries that are listening to their reasons. <clears throat> Once a person's overseas, it becomes much more difficult for the agency to send them home. Uh, man, I, I appreciate it so much. In fact, I have a Rick's statement here from yesterday. Francis said the same thing in essence. In fact, we were talking, Francis was over last night, we were talking about Rick. Uh, he summarized it so succinctly. I couldn't live with my ineffectiveness. I loved Laos, but I couldn't live being ineffective. Unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of people that can live with being ineffective. And I don't know, uh, I don't have a crystal ball on this thing here, folks. Uh, but it is difficult. If a person is overseas and not causing too much trouble, there's no obvious sin, uh, and yet he's ongoingly ineffective, you can carve out a nice long career and stay there, especially in a climate and a situation where the living conditions aren't too difficult to soldier through. Uh, it's doable, and it's done. Papua New Guinea. Ron and I both served there. Man, we, we know what it's like to be on the base. The base in the highlands, the weather is exactly like San Diego, California. We all know about Chiang Mai. We all know about Quito, Ecuador. We all know about these wonderful situations where it ain't bad. It just ain't bad. And you know what? To be in administration there, count me in. Especially if, especially if my kids are there at the main base and I don't have to put them in the boarding school anymore, and I can now have a respectable job, and my church keeps the checks coming, and I'm um, becoming a senior missionary, maybe get some leadership capacity. You know, one of the things that we're having to train radius students to do is stay. Once you've done those first five years well, and the agency says, hey, would you be a consultant? Would you come out here and be a trainer? Would you be a field leader? You stay, and you finish your church plan. Let the other guys do those things. You stay till you're done, and then, yes, obviously, ante up and be a blessing to the next generation of missionaries, but not before your church is at that level. <clears throat> I'm so way off of my slides here and everything else. Okay, uh, missionary training. Uh, I, over the course of the years, I've, be, I, I've, <laughs> I've heard of a lot. Hey, have you heard of this training? Have you heard of this training? Have you heard of this training? I, I think I mentioned, before we even uh, began to get very far into the radius, and we took two years and looked around at that time between 2005, 2007, of everything that was more than just a website, uh, an actual location, we looked at the curriculum. We didn't find any bad topics. You know, how to cheat on your wife was not there. You know, how to be a drug dealer was not there. How to make bombs was not there. Everything in the curriculum was good stuff, okay? 
But critical components, the ones that make the difference, to be honest with you, many times I couldn't even tell the difference between the missionary training and a mentorship counseling context. Well, that's great. That's not the training you're needing. Folks, if you don't know the difference between phonetics and phonemics, between fricatization, glottalization, nasalization, asperization, tone, stress, cadence, pitch, if you don't know those things, you will always have a stinking, horrible accent. That's 101. That's before you're 48 hours on our campus. That's specific missionary training, and that's just, you know, tip of the iceberg stuff. Anything, man, missionary training. Uh, Youth leaders taking teens to Haiti, missionary training. Saw it, okay. Getting a degree in intercultural studies. I remember teaching at a prestigious Christian college. Now it's a university. It's great, loved it. It was kind of cool for my ego, too. Man, walk in the halls there. I'm a jungle missionary, but not now, man. I'm Professor Buser. It was cool. I could fake it so well, <laughs> but I did. I felt like a phony because I knew but these guys were getting done, and they were coming out with a degree in intercultural studies from, it's a great school. I loved it, and I felt like a phony because I knew, oh, they can talk about missions, and maybe even if they go and get their master's, they could teach on missions. They were in no way ready to do missions. I never got to know those students. I never got to get inside their character. They, they, they were familiar with the terminology, a degree in intercultural studies from any university. And the master's in intercultural studies is not specific, appropriate missionary preparation. Getting a degree, online classes and culture acquisition. Cool. Don't, don't ever have to have a conversation. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, one of the things we have to do is, is tell our students, because a lot of them come from Christian homes and backgrounds. Uh, you're going to go out the gate and you're going to make friends. Lots of them. <laughs> they got all kinds of reasons. No, you're going to go out and make friends. And then, you know what? These friends are going to become so, and they don't know their language. You don't know their culture. They don't know your name. Their two-year-olds are laughing at your poor syntax, okay? And eventually, you're going to get to be such friends with them that they're going to give you an invitation to come stay a week with them, and you're going to stay a week with them. That's part of missionary training is learning how to make friends, okay? But, so this online preparation, are we Are we serious? Uh, a year-long mentorship evangelism course, uh, and coming up with curriculum, some of the things that we had to do uh, was, man, keep focused on the main things. And even now, uh, we're, we're very aware that the radius training is not everything. Uh, we actually have, uh, to my uh, knowledge, uh, we don't have one hour devoted to medical. Well, that's not true. Uh, but we, we don't have, med- we're, we're not training people in medicine, Okay. Uh, we touch on a lot of things. Uh, we're not training people on how to do a business. We're making them aware of the need for that. We're not a Bible college. We're not a counseling program. We're touching on all those things, okay? Keeping the main things the main things and being able to biblically support and give a rationale for why these are the main things and then equipping them biblically to live them out. So the main thing is to finish the Great Commission. That's what the training's about. And then biblically, why do we do it that way? Man, they're going to get to need to know those biblical passages. And what are the key components that we see in Scripture? First off, as has been said some, from so many different presenters, can you communicate at a high level? Uh, guys, this is just baseline missions 101. Okay, would that it were so that we can get around that. And we do see today methodologies that are coming into existence because as I was talking with some folks at lunchtime today, uh, there are mission agencies and a lot of recruiters that are saying that this generation can't even spell the word commitment. For them to learn one language, nonetheless two, you're not gonna, we've been told, you're not gonna find those people. Um, we're finding them. 
They're willing to give their life. If they can biblically see the reason why it has to be so difficult, why they have to be such an excellent communicator. So we had to keep the main things, uh, the main things in this. Uh, what are the main things? I remember when Beth and I came back from New Guinea, uh, at that time the main things were different. Well, excuse me. The things that were talked about. Because main things uh, might seem obvious in a context like this that's been hit a lot in the last 48 hours. Uh, we came back, uh, the topics back then that were t- uh, taking all the air out of the room uh, was clean water. We came in toward the end of the clean water thing. Okay, clean water was uh, the big one, but that very quickly was uh, superseded by AIDS, AIDS in Africa in particular. Uh, man, that, a couple of years, that was uh, taking the air out of the conversation. Okay, just, you know, the topic. Uh, from there, it went into human trafficking. Uh, and we all know that that's still, and none of these have gone away. These are all still brutally relevant issues. They're not, we, there's no way to just minimize that with a little slap of the hand, a couple one-liners. Uh, now we have ISIS. Now we have refugees. Now we have you know, relocation issues. These are all serious issues, folks. <clears throat> but again, I, I reflect, Brooks shared this the other day. I remember being at that lunch with Patrick Johnston, <clears throat> the compiler of Operation uh, World, that big tomb on what's going on in the world today, and somebody asked him, <coughs> where is that thing? Yeah. Somebody asked him, uh, hey, Patrick, what's, what have you seen, in, in particular in regards to AIDS in Africa, what have you seen that's been the most helpful thing that has really addressed the issue of AIDS in Africa, AIDS in Africa? Without hesitating, church planting. Takes a long time, but if it affects things systemically. We didn't just pick our rationale out of a grab bag of possibilities. The reason that you're seeing so much and hearing so much about church planting is we want to see, yes, the gospel living on long-term in those communities, and biblically, that's what we see the Apostle Paul doing. Absolutely bringing people with the clear message of the gospel to faith in Jesus Christ, creating Christ followers who become disciples or, or, or are, in fact, disciples, and discipling followers of Jesus and then bringing them into an understanding of we together are the people of God. We're the community of Jesus. That's why we focus so much on church planning because we see that's what the Apostle Paul doing, not being content to just have individual evangelism projects going on. So keeping the main thing, the main thing isn't just an obvious thing because, folks, it's easy to pick out an issue and to create a training for that issue. It's easy to find a verse and skew everything to support that. I've had countless people, man, I, I really feel drawn to work with youth. Well, man, maybe we should have a separate radius for youth workers. But then I thought, about, dude, you know what? We had youth in Teddy, And you know what? Some of those youth got saved. And uh, you know, we were youth workers too. You know? And it's so easy to get super specific. I'm drawn to music. Well, the Teddies like to sing slash chant. You know? So yeah, there's, yeah, I'm not down on music ministers or... But folks, we need to get the gospel to these people group and maybe set our niches aside. I really like counseling. Well, I did a lot of counseling with way different issues. <laughs> oh my gosh, the wife-beating issues that we got. And well, I gotta tell you this. Um, <clears throat> so we've been living among the Teddies for 19 years. Man, the church has been there for about 12 of those years. We're, we're summarizing our translation efforts. And uh, I was taking a break uh, with my best friend in the tribe, his name is Yessier, and uh, 
As I was saying, hey, Jesse, where's Enoch? Oh, he's over there. Dun, 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 you know, he's really doing good. You know, hey, Enoch, where's Fo? Where, where's Fo at these days? And you know, went through a list of guys that I hadn't seen for a few days, actually some of them for a couple weeks. And, uh, and, I, and everybody's doing good spiritually. We were having that. Yeah, no, they're walking with the Lord. They're in the Word. You know? and, uh, <clears throat> and I said, Jesse, and you never look up. You're never looking at a guy in the eyes when you're talking to him. Uh, I said, Jesse, when you say they're doing good, does that mean that they've stopped beating their wives? And I could tell he looked right up at me. He looks at me and he says, Brad, we're teddies. We'll always beat our wives. But because we want to be Christ followers, we've decided that when we beat our wives, we're not going to draw blood anymore. Do you see that as progress? Do you know what they've come out of to see that as Now, is, is Christ honored? Is, is he content with that? Of course. There's still room for them to grow. But folks, that's what we're doing. We're bringing people to understand issues. And these changes do not happen overnight. Thus the years, as Brooks was talking about the other day, from disciples to being a church, things do not change out overnight. How in the world do we get on that? <laughs> Forming disciples into churches, this is what the New Testament mandate is. This is what we're doing. And, and you know, we're skating over, forming disciples into churches. Obvious. Oh, really? That means we can speak and make the gospel known. That means the families aren't being destroyed in the process. That means the parenting issues are, are being handled well. The, the navigating of so many different issues to get to that simple phrase, forming disciples into churches. Oh, my word. We've just condensed down years, if not decades, of work into a phrase. So let's not say, oh, simply done. And then any training that does not bring out the complexity and the equipping at the same time isn't real training. Okay, uh, man, I'm complete. Might as well just put these on the ground. Okay, dude. Okay, uh, training uh, that doesn't uh, deal with these things of living long-term in a situation where hardship is a constant, where privacy rarely exists. Uh, you only find out how much you love your privacy and you lose it. And you lose it, not for a cool weekend camping trip with your best friends, but you lose it for 10 months in Tijuana. And, oh, I love it. We did not design this with this in mind. But the paper-thin plywood walls of Radius are such an effective discipling tool. Who <laughs> <laughs> was telling me the other day? Somebody was in the bathroom. I won't even say the name. It just this person would be mortified. And, <laughs> and she was singing quietly, quietly in the bathroom. And the two-year-old living next door, oh, I like that song, too. <laughs> Wonderful. You can't buy that. You just can't buy that stuff, okay? Uh, the addiction that we have to privacy and the learning to live with, oh, wow, okay. We're open books. And again, we don't take that to absolutely ridiculous levels, uh, but that's a factor. And the stress that that brings, and after a while, I'm not stressed. You just see me with my hair looking crummy, and I didn't brush my teeth, and I, I look like a doofus. And yeah, you guys know, everybody on that floor, everybody on, on next to you and up and below you, uh, you guys all know we had a fight. Probably, you probably know what we were fighting about, how long it lasted. We didn't actually reconcile. Yeah, it, it, everything is... And you just learn to be able to do that. And that's, that's so stressful at first. It's just like, nah, we're learning to handle that. That's okay. We expect that. The finish line is years away. Boy, this thing of how long. I remember going to the field. How long is it going to take? How long? I wanted an answer. I pressed uh, one of the guys, uh, a trainer. He had never lived overseas, but I pressed him anyway. Uh, how long is this going to take? He said, if you do it right, it'll be about 12 years. As I'm flying out of LAX, I got 12 years in my head. Well, that didn't work. Uh, 
setting aside, taking the watch off, the Fitbit and the watch, taking them off, taking the calendar off the wall and watching the year spin by. Not just watching, you're working your tail off. I remember Beth and I, we were in our early 40s, walking up and down the Teddy Airstrip. Been there the best years of our life. Lord, what do you have for next? What's next for us? Man, that that question that haunts missionaries as they see the best years of their lives uh, spent in these faraway places, off the grid, off the radar, keeping their mind in the game. Finish, finish, finish. Uh, Man, this thing of the years ticking by and just, Lord, I'm here. When I'm done, then I'm done. And being able to be content with that. Uh, Okay. Uh, What can't be taught? in a 10-month training course. Okay, uh, a couple things, a few things, a host of things, just a few obvious ones. We cannot teach people a love for God's word and the knowledge of it. They better come loving the word of God. That's their home church. They better be familiar with God's word. They might not have great breadth of knowledge, but they better have some. Uh, and we actually, that's on our uh, application. Uh, we cannot teach them spiritual zeal and disciplines in 10 short months. They better have some spiritual disciplines in place. We want to take them to a new level. Joseph, who you've seen around, phenomenal at uh, giving our, our students not just the basics of that, but giving them a desire to walk in those spiritual disciplines. We can't teach them a work ethic. We can't take a lazy person and turn them into a highly productive person. We can't do that. Uh, if he's lazy, he will be less lazy when he's done, but he will not be field ready. If he's not a high motor person, if he can't access... Uh, some level of intensity and drive, he probably shouldn't be in a frontline situation there. I'm not saying everybody is like your Chad or so-and-so, or whatever, but you better be able to go there at some level of your being and be able to function in a highly stressful, high-energy way. <laughs> Issues of character, humility, teachability, maturity. We can help in 10 months, but if some of those basics are not there, we cannot take a person from zero to 60 in 10 months. That's not on us. And we do ask churches to vet them before they come in. Uh, We are continuing that vetting process down there. Social and communication skills. We can't do that. If a person is socially awkward uh, in this context, he's going to be in the next context, and so that is on churches. We hope for and pray that churches are very honest with us. Uh, Social and communication skills have to be at a very good level. And these are going to be gospel communicators. We are not training, and we know the need for, and we appreciate every support worker that's on the field. Do not get me wrong, but Radius is not training support workers. We're training frontline, language-learning, church-planting, Bible-translating missionaries. That's what we're doing. And then they have to do BAM on top of it. And then they have to do family on top of it. And then they have to navigate all these other things. But their goal is a church and to leave the scriptures behind. Uh, love for their local church. Uh, this is an issue at times. Um, and they go away to college, they get saved, they love their, their college ministry, but they don't have a home church, or else their relationship with their home church is very tenuous. Uh, they better love the reality of their home church, where you got old people and young kids, and the music's funky, and the pastor's not ripping every Sunday. It's just not awesome. That's probably the church you're going to start, too. Okay, and so you better love the reality of the home church with all of its isms and tendencies. Uh, Man, we want to see that in students, and we can't, you know, we can't do that. Uh, There needs to be a a degree of physical stamina and rigorousness that we cannot do in uh, ten short months. Uh, Again, we we can't turn water into wine. (sighs) I didn't say that. (laughs) Okay. 
specifics of what missionary training must consist of. And these are basics. And again, we don't get into everything, but these are the things that we do take on while they are in their 10 months at Radius. These are some of them. Mastering a system of culture and language acquisition. Nobody is getting culture and language at a highly fluent level by osmosis, by a lot of time. I'm going to play a lot of soccer. I'm going to have cups of chai tea. Uh, Good intentions. Uh, Wayne said it. If you're not averaging 40 hours a week in language, averaging, that means when you get malaria and you're out for two and a half days, and that's how long it takes to recover from a, a bout of malaria, two and a half days. If your weeks preceding that are not getting you 50 and 55 hours in a week to where you're averaging 40 hours a week in language study, probably not going to get there, folks. I was a language consultant for many years in the beginning, in the lowlands in the beginning. And folks, uh, a casual approach to this, I'm doing the best I can, that doesn't cut it. Uh, that will not get you to the finish line to where you're an excellent communicator. Uh, man, they better master uh, a course. And we have one. We have a real good one. There's other ones out there. We're not saying it's the only one, but it's a real good one of combining culture and language acquisition at the same time. Absolute clarity on what the gospel is. Uh, man, doctrinally, uh, yeah, they, they just have to be grounded in that. We've talked about that. What is a local church? As defined by the New Testament, not a verse, not the Gospels, but the whole of the New Testament, what is a local church? Uh, man, obviously, there needs to be strength and a lot of teaching. And merit, high, we call it high-stress marriage, high-stress parenting, getting them ready for the bad days, uh, for when the rebels come in, uh, when the guys with the guns and the suits come in, when your country is in evolu- revolution, uh, the bad days. We're not doing marriage seminars that can be held in my church for life in San Diego. That's not what we're doing. A Bible translation, the particulars and details of that. Uh, team dynamics, uh, caring for teammates, apologizing. That's a big one, folks. Do you know how to apologize? We don't take hours and hours, but we do cover it. Uh, walking in forgiveness. Yeah, that falls under team dynamics, but uh, folks without some specifics in that, uh, and your team's not, probably not going to last real long. Uh, basic missiology. Okay, and again, this is basic. And, and we, get, uh, we don't have agencies come down to us for the first two months because we are grounding them in a biblically-driven missiology first before we have the recruiters come. We do want our students going out with sending agencies. Okay, Radius is an ascending agency, and, and I haven't met a home church that's really able to care for missionaries when they're overseas. Those agencies fulfill a critical role, but we need to ground them before they start hearing some of the razzle-dazzle that's going on uh, in biblically-founded missiology. We do that before the agencies come in. But some of the other things that are happening, I am, uh, insider movements. Our students better be able to have those discussions. Uh, DMM, uh, Chad brought that out yesterday. Uh, CPM, Church Planning Movements, Discovery Bible Studies. Uh, This is the grist. This is the uh, whoop and wharf of missions today. And if you don't know what people mean by that, even people that are using those terms oftentimes don't even know the basis of those terms. And so our students come out very competent in being able to discuss that, why I am using this portion of that, why I'm not doing this. Uh, They better be grounded in that. Uh, obedience-based discipleship, OBD, B for T, T for T, camel method, man of peace, Shema statements, oikos. Ron, where's Ron? Oikos. Where's the oikos? Have you heard of the oikos, Ron? Uh, <laughs> some of these things, these, these uh, terms that speak of, man, this is the magic bullet, magic bullet, magic bullet, magic bullet. 
Uh, folks, if you're caught with your pants down, you can be feeling like you're really not prepared. Well, I actually know what's behind the term oikos. I know why that's been made into a bigger deal uh, than maybe the scriptures actually make out of it. Uh, I, I'm pretty familiar with the Shema statement, B for T, T for T. Your, stu- your candidate needs to be able to navigate in that weird world because when they get to the field, if they're not prepared with these things, they're going to get impact. like, oh, dude, you really don't know. And... Uh, it's hard for missionaries to stand, even with the training we give them if they're caught unawares by these things. As well as, oh, back up, back up. As well as, oh, well, forget it. Church planning basics, theology of suffering, access and identity become good at. There we go. As well as a biblically driven historic method for gospel communication. And I hate to say it, but too much of the time, the former are in contradiction to the latter. Not at not every point. And please, there's no evil people in these discussions. We're not here to make anybody who's talking in these other terms out to, man, they don't love the Lord. That's just, that is just not the case. Everybody in this discussion is desiring to make the gospel clear to the ends of the earth as fast as possible, and we are too. As fast as possible. You haven't, you haven't seen up there some of the methods uh, that we interact with too. Uh, dreams, visions, angels. Guys, let me tell you, for the record, radius is stoked. We are happy, we are rejoicing when dreams and visions and angels accompany the gospel workers. But based on scripture, we feel like we have to prepare missionaries to do the hard work in case their people don't have dreams, in case there isn't a vision, in case there isn't a miracle. You better be able to do the hard work. When that happens, praise God. Uh, Other metrics, other components, basic church planting. Come on, gotta be. Uh, a lot of time on that. As we work slowly through the book of Acts, and we see what the Apostle Paul did, a theology of suffering. Man, probably every presenter up here has touched on that to a degree. Access and identity, again, to become good at and learn to enjoy reading. I loved hearing that from Peter yesterday up in the student Q&A. Uh, the list of reading is, is awesome in the sense of, uh, uh, yeah, a lot going on, and so uh, we won't say more about that. Uh, literacy, making an alphabet and teaching others to read it. Oh, that clock. Loss of privacy. Oh, I'm just going to skate through this. Folks, this is, why, uh, this is why we're doing all this, because the unprepared candidate can easily pass through most candidate school processes. The person who is not capable, not just aware of those terms, what's that term, but actually doesn't know how to take a, an unwritten language if, if the case actually comes upon them, and that's not common, but to be able to write it down, turn it into an alphabet, Man, come up with language primers and teach a people that's never held a pencil how to read and write their own language. How to do a Bible translation. That, that, that's not superstar star stuff. Uh, that still needs to be done in thousands of languages. That's basic missionary preparation if you're going into pioneer missions. The unprepared candidate who doesn't have those things can easily pass through most, most mission agency sending schools. Okay, uh, Their candidate schools just don't bring those to light. Have we covered everything? Absolutely not. Uh, man, there's, there's more, and you could, if you want to, you know, <laughs> tell me a few more things that we're missing out on. We know that. Uh, we're not the be-all, end-all. We're trying to cram everything we can in 10 short months and make sure that these things are, are actually changing their character. At the end of the day, character still is about 60% of what we're doing. They need to come out of there with some, some skill sets. They just do. But if their character isn't at a certain level, they're not going to make it to the finish line. And so character gets the majority of our time uh, while they're down there. The unprepared missionary is rarely able to hit the ground running. 
The monotonous drudgery of culture and language acquisition is a straitjacket that without preparation, most will pull back soon from. And you know the reason they pull back from it? Ministry. I've got this guy and he really wants to spend time with me. And compared to the drudgery of language study, oh, I would much rather do anything. And especially if this guy wants to hear stories of Jesus. Yeah, I know I can't talk even at a five-year-old level, but it's just, oh, he's so open. And believe me, the the adjectives just stack up and stack up. And all of a sudden, well, I'm only spending 10%. I'm only spending 20% of my time in ministry. I'm still 80% language study. Church leaders, let me tell you, once your missionary overseas is spending 20% of his time in ministry, he's done progressing in language, capped. He's learning words. He's adding vocabulary. He's not moving toward being a communicator. That stopped when he got to be 20% of his time in ministry because the lure, the enjoyment, all of that, that's what you came there to do. You're mailing in. We've seen it again and again. Unless you're ready, mentally ready, with the technical stuff and with the discipline to enter into the drudgery of language study, you'll find a way out. That's why we have these audacious statistics that you heard about earlier. Staying on the mission field a long time must not be allowed to become the goal. First off, getting to the mission field must not be allowed to become the goal. I just want to get there. Uh, no, that's, that's not a good way of evaluating this thing. I just want to stay there. Well, that's easily done. Just don't die, okay? Uh, that's pretty simple. Uh, the goal is to stay there and do a job to leave behind a group of Christ followers, a church that's gonna last the test of time. Put this up here. Some of you guys uh, heard of this guy, know this guy. Dale Palmer, he's dead. He's with the Lord now. He was there in New Guinea. We were brand new missionaries, Beth and I. And uh, we had just moved in. And it was hard to get in and out among the Teddy people. And uh, <clears throat> we finally moved in there. We're, man, we're finally starting to build the airstrip. And I'm like, I just want to get this stupid airstrip done so I can begin learning their language. We had this huge lead time before we could be gospel communicators. And then they're having this little conference out here on, I don't know what, what it was. I was like, dude, I don't need another conference. I just got done with four years of training. You know, and I'm 23. I'm just ready to go at this thing. I finally moved into the jungle with my wife, and I'm getting over being terrified. And uh, Dale's on the Dale's on the radio with me. Brad, you got to come out. You got to take the seminar. Brad, you got to come out. You got to take the. Brad, you got to come out. Man, it's not easy to get out, Dale. That's expensive. He, yeah, finally, and he's the old grizzled vet. I mean, he's the ancient of days. Dale's probably 40 years old at this time. Okay, <laughs> but I'm 23, so he's nearly dead as far as I'm concerned. Dale says this. Hey, Brad. Jesus himself spent 30 years in preparation for three years of ministry. Who do you think you are? Boy, we'll do anything. We just want, we just want to get to the goodies. We want to get to the ministry. And, and praise God for that. You gotta, if you're not a little bit torn up while you're in preparation, if you're not dying a little bit because you want to be there, uh, maybe you shouldn't be going. It better be hard for you to slow down and take the training. It better be hard. If that hunger and passion is not there to where this is difficult, uh, you might need a little shot of adrenaline or B vitamins or something like that. But at the end of the day, the principle's true. Jesus did spend 30 years in preparation. His preparation was different. He didn't need to learn any data. But you know what he needed to be? He needed to have the credibility of his age. And he did not teleport down here at 29 and a half years old. He actually did it the hard way. He was born in a manger and he lived and he walked dusty roads and he built whatever he built. 
He did it. He leaves us an example. 30 years of preparation. Who do we think we are, folks, that we can skate over? You know, I'll, I'll be done with this. Um, Today, it's, it's easy to laugh at guys of 100 years ago in their imperialistic ways. And we, we've read about the story of uh, James Minchin in Hawaii, <coughs> but Kauai, and the, the guys, you know, the New England missionaries that sailed down around South, South Africa or South America, and they got to Hawaii, and um, they, they saw the way the Hawaiians were dressing, and they put on New England clothes, and then they saw the dietary practices of the Hawaiians, and they introduced New England crops that didn't work so well. Uh, the Hawaiian recreation practices, surfing naked, you know, and they tried to stamp that out. And we can look at that just like, dude, you are so, you are so imperialistic. You're so wrong. You're, you're still got your eye on you know, peripheral things there. Um, it's easy to spot that. We have 2020 clarity on some of the missteps of guys 100 years ago. I'll tell you what, the imperialism that's eating our lunch today in the church and it's rampant is this. I've only got two weeks, Lord, bless it. I want to give two years of my life, bless it. The new imperialism is out of time. We've got a stopwatch ticking in our head. You know those guys that went to Hawaii? At least they died there. They stayed. They stayed, they stayed, they stayed. We want to have another career. We want to do this for a while. We want to fit this into our lives. And folks, a missionary preparation training that doesn't eradicate that, take the watch off, take the calendar on. You're there till there's a church. If you haven't taken on that issue, you haven't possibly taken on the core issue that could send that person home. These are all the complexities that go into the training program uh, that we're trying to still hone and adjust. Okay, I'm done. Uh, I, I do want to summarize the day. This is so weird. I know Ron did this yesterday really well. And I, I'm just not a good segueer, you know. Uh, so we're going to segue to some funny one-liners. No, <laughs> how do you do that? Uh, I don't know, we'll revamp this part next year because this is just weird. <clears throat> I'm trying to bring back Francis. I am not Francis. Wayne, where are you? Uh, <clears throat> but you know, I, I said it already once today. Uh, man, when the infinite God of heaven, when he deigns to make himself known, what, what a privilege, what an honor. And uh, the, the, the way he phrased it that just stuck with me was, man, if you've got something better to do, do it. If you've got something better to do with the rest of your life, do it, find it out. Go for, go for it. Find it and go for it. Talk to you in eternity. I'll talk to you in eternity. We'll uh, see how that worked out. Man, if you've got something better to do with your life, find it and do it. Uh, man, Wayne saying on uh, language, man, Fluency is implied, it's assumed, it's expected. Uh, you've heard a lot today, folks, about that, that topic in particular. 4% in the agency he was speaking of that got to the excellent level of language. 4%. It's just not the bar that missionaries are. You're missionaries. Your missionaries that you visited, that carried on so well in your presence, probably aren't fluent. Hate to say it, folks. I knew how to fake out the pilot when I was learning language. That was an actual level of language study. Fake out the pilot level, okay? Uh, it's good. It's progress, okay? Uh, visitors from the home church when I was moving toward fluency. Uh, man, but that was a, a few years in the process, you know? And everybody, the pilots, oh, boy! They're trying to encourage you. But anyway, uh, and these are some stark realities and Wayne's made us aware of here. So uh, I'm not trying to get you to call your missionaries home, but you know what? To know these things, let's uh, go forward with these uh, realities in place and understandings too. 
What we're going to do now is we are going to take uh, about a five-minute break here, actually about seven-minute break uh, <clears throat> until 3.15. We know that uh, many of you need to leave. Uh, by the way, uh, if you haven't signed up for the trip to Mexico, please, before you leave, if you're planning on doing that tomorrow, uh, please sign up today. Uh, we'll throw the address up there tonight if you guys want to come over. We'd love to chit-chat a little bit. We will have a Q&A time here. I do want to, again, uh, man, make this available to you. This is a really helpful put together, helpfully put-together book that I think can help you understand some of the issues involved in getting your guys uh, from the uh, starting line to the finish line. So let's pray, and then we'll go and get a cup of coffee. Some will need to leave. By the way, for you who are leaving, and uh, this is our last time, thank you so much. Gosh, thanks so much for taking the time out, making the efforts to be here. Uh, five crunched-in hours of presentation, that's tough. And I haven't, honestly, I say this, and I'm not even lying, not a little bit. I haven't seen anybody like, like that. That's so, uh, you guys get high, high, high marks. I can't do that in my church on Sunday, okay? Uh, oh, gosh. I love, I love my church. I'm good to hear about that. Um, thanks for being here. It means a ton to see this many of God's people who want, also want to see the Great Commission accomplished. And I know, we all know as a staff, as a bunch of radio students, that's why you're here. It means a lot for you guys to be here. Hopefully see some of you back in Minneapolis at Rick's uh, situation there in Minneapolis next year. Uh, God bless you all. Let's pray and uh, go with God. Father, thank you for these men and women. They're here because they love you. They want to see you honored among every tongue, tribe, and nation. And we all know that are here today that that is not the case today. We have a long ways to go, but it's doable. It is doable. God, I pray for those that are representing the many churches that they come from, that they would take some of these insights, some of the things they've heard, take them back, and may they be able to make adjustments, a nip or a tuck or a major uh, shift, whatever is needed, that the resources and lives and in finances and prayers and energies from every church here would be more strategically placed at your service to accomplish your task. Not the part of the task that catches our eye, that entrances us, but, Lord, the task that you have left behind. And, Lord, that we would even do business with you to evaluate how much of what we're doing overseas is because of our interests versus what you have commanded us to see accomplished. Lord, help us to do that business. Bless each one. Give them safety as they go. Uh, Lord, may their memories be good. May they uh, blow off the chaff that's been shared in the last few hours. But Lord, keep behind the principles of your word. And Lord, we just long to see the day when truly those from every tongue, tribe, and nation will be around your throne. We know that we'll get to be a part of that in some way. Thank you, Father, that you have entrusted to us, us fallen men and women, the incredible privilege of being your gospel ambassadors. Bless my brothers and sisters real good, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.